0: all right well good evening it is Oh, man, this is so good to see you guys. Uh, many of you know, this is our, our very first uh, Maison Live, our, our Maison mission service that is actually happening inside. So that, that feels like a win. Uh, you didn't have to bring your own chair. Uh, you know, if it rains, we're, we're good to go. But we are so glad that each and every one of you uh, are here. If I don't know you, my name is Levi Lowry. I can't remember if I introduced myself uh, just a few minutes ago, but this really is a big night for us. And we're super, super thankful to. um, the brewery here, because from the very first email, they just flung the doors wide open. They're like, yeah, this is a great idea. You want to meet on Sunday night? Yeah, yeah. And so um, it's just been been such an easy process, and these things usually aren't uh, an easy process. And so for you guys to be here with us tonight, it's just, oh man, it just feels... So good, and we're starting a new uh, teaching series uh, tonight, and I used to stress out over the names of these things. I thought, you know what, like, if we could just pick the perfect topic and give it the perfect name, that... Like it would matter, <laughs> you know. At the end of the day, uh, what I realized after working in a church for 22 years is, for you guys, uh, you you remember what the name of the series is when you come to church on Sunday. You just don't you just don't think about it, right? I think uh, it's more to keep us uh, like on a. Tra- trajectory going somewhere. And so uh, our new series is going to kind of pull double duty this time. It's going to keep us on track, but we're also in the middle. Uh, we're starting the a new season in the Christian calendar. And I know some of you are saying, I didn't even know there was such thing as a Christian calendar. But you've heard of a few. There's a couple of real popular seasons. There's Advent. Uh, raise your hand. You've seen, you've heard of Advent. You're like, yeah, I got a really cool calendar. I had good chocolate in it, right? Like that's, that's kind of how we know Advent. And then there's Lent. And sometimes people you work with, they'll show up with like Stuff on their forehead and uh, on Ash Wednesday, and you're like, "Hey, oh yeah, it's that day. It's that day." And that that begins Lent, and it lasts for like 40-ish days leading up to Easter. Well, we're not in either one of those seasons right now. Uh, we're in a season called Epiphany, and uh, and so that started uh, actually on January 6th, and. Yep, This is a season that focuses on the life, the teachings, the mission of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks. We're going to dig into some of his teachings, um, just passages about him. What does he have to say that reveal who he is? And so it's known, Jesus Revealed is the name of the series. And so we're going to start out uh, with this story that has never been a favorite story of mine. I'm going to be honest with you. And it's the story of the baptism of Jesus. And I remember always being confused as a kid. I'm like, this, this doesn't make any sense. Um, why is Jesus exactly getting baptized, right? I mean, uh, if you don't know the story, uh, Jesus has a cousin named John, and he baptized so many people, his nickname became John the Baptist, right? I mean, it's, it's what he was known for. And, and so basically, uh, the story goes, Jesus's cousin is out there in the wilderness by the Jordan River. And I think he's one of those preachers that I probably wouldn't like a whole lot. I think he probably yelled a lot. He wore really strange clothes. He had a weird diet. And he was basically telling people like, you're bad people. You need to to get in the water. You need to, to be washed. This is a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole time he's saying that, he's like, the reason you need to do this is because God is up to something New, all right? Like God is going to do a new thing. And so I remember reading the story. I was like, that's cool. That makes sense and all. But like, why is Jesus being baptized? Because as a kid, I always understood him to be without sin. If there's like one person that doesn't need the baptism thing, it's Jesus. So why? Did he do it? All right. So I think this is going to be on the screen. This is our first time. I don't know what's going to be on the screen or not on the screen. So if it's not on the screen, I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Uh, In Luke chapter three, uh, beginning in verse 15, it says, the interest of the people by now was building. They were all beginning to wonder, could John be the Messiah? John the Baptist, but John intervened. I'm baptizing you here in the river. The main character in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom life, a fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything false, he'll put out with the trash to be burned. After all the people were baptized, Jesus was baptized. As he was praying, the sky opened up and the Holy Spirit, like a dove descending, came down on him. And along with the spirit a voice, you are my son, chosen and marked by my love, pride of my life. And so there you have it. You've got Jesus, the God man, the one that doesn't need to be in the river being baptized, but there he is. He's with all the sinners that need to be baptized. So what's, what's going on? I think sometimes when we hit a story like this, probably every story that we get to in the Bible, we need to do that thing where you just zoom way out and you begin to look at this one story in the context of a bigger story. I don't know if you've ever messed around with Google Earth, but that thing is amazing. Like if you wanna zoom out and get a perspective of just like how little this thing is uh, that we're living on, like you can do that. And so we're gonna zoom out. Um, And to kind of illustrate this a little bit, Last week, I went and saw a movie. It was one of the first movies I've seen, it seems like, in five years, right? I just haven't been to the movie theater. But we went and saw the new Spider-Man movie. How many of you, have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? Awesome. Uh, Several of you have. Great movie. I'm not going to give away anything about it, but I would say go see it. It's a really good movie. For those of you that have or haven't seen that movie, how many of you have seen one of the other Batman movies that came before it. Like, you saw those. What am I saying, Batman? (laughs) Let's go back. I did not see a Batman movie, but you can tell how many superhero movies I've seen by the fact that I've been saying Batman this whole time. It's Spider-Man, all right? It's Spider-Man. But how many of you have seen the other Spider-Man movies, right? Well, I have a confession to make. This Spider-Man movie that I saw was the first one that I've ever seen. I haven't watched any of the other Spider-Man movies. In fact, my whole life is kind of this revolving joke of people saying, hey, you know in that movie when this happened? And I'm the guy that just kind of nods. I don't even say that I haven't seen the movie anymore because I've never seen the movie, all right? And so I'm just gonna confess to you right now, it's not just Spider-Man, but there's some other big movies that you probably think I should have seen that I haven't seen, all right? I'm just gonna give you a couple here. I've never seen a Harry Potter movie, all right? And it's not because I have anything against Harry Potter. Those movies are really long, right? And I'm like, if I could just be outside doing something, this would be great, why am I in here, right? Star Wars, yeah, I have no idea. I mean, I know who the characters are, but like, yeah, I know, I know, this is, I'm losing you. I feel it, I feel it right now. Like, this is not going well. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, never seen a single one. Never seen, I know, I know. All my street cred just left the room, right? Like the little bit of street cred. I know, man, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys are gonna wait till afterwards to have some drinks because it could have got rowdy in here like right there uh, in that moment. But so, so here's the deal. When we went to see that movie, the people in that movie theater, I felt like I was the only one, by the response of the crowd, that had not seen the other Spider-Man movies. Because I was watching this movie, I was like, this is a really good movie, but there would be these moments in the movie where everybody else in the whole theater started laughing. And I wasn't laughing because nothing right on the surface level was funny, but everybody else knew something that had happened in another movie, and it was funny, and they were laughing, and there I am, right, because I don't watch movies. And and so there were other times where I could tell, like, there was a deeper thing going in on the plot than what I understood. At face value, I'm like, this is a great movie, it was worth the money, but there were things happening beneath the surface that I didn't get. And now I'm like, I need to go back and I need to watch those movies, all right? Are you tracking with me, all right? You're like, yeah, we got you on Spider-Man, but you need some help on this movie thing. Well, what happened to me in that Spider-Man movie is, is something that happens with scripture uh, all the time because we are so far removed from this, these stories that were happening 2,000 years, right? They were happening 2,000 years ago and we don't know it really well. And so we have, to, we have to dig in, we have to work really hard or somebody has to explain some of this stuff to us. We, we can make some sense of what's happening on the surface but what's just under it? And I'm not gonna get too into the weeds on this but what I'm sharing with you tonight, like really helped me make some sense of this passage. Um, there, there's a big story of God that's going on that is surrounding this story of Jesus' baptism. And, and we go all the way back. And basically, this is like a quick Reader's Digest version of, there's a story of a God who is love. And he creates man in his image to take care of creation that will cause it to flourish in life-giving ways. Man consistently chooses their way over the ways of God, and it leads to destruction, All right, so what God does is he always tries to find like a a family or a remnant or a group of people that, that will be his people and he will pour into them. And the idea is that these people will be a light to all the other nations. And these other nations will see how good this God is and they will be drawn into this family. Except that's not what God's people ever do. They always do their own thing. They always make a mess of it. And one of the big meta themes that happens with God's people is they're rebellious and then they end up getting conquered by other people. You go all the way back to Exodus, if you grew up hearing these stories, you'll remember that that God's people became slaves in Egypt. And then Moses and his brother Aaron came along and uh, they escaped. God provided like an escape. There are these bad things that happened to the Egyptians and basically the Pharaoh got tired of it. Off they go. And and so they're on their way to the promised land. It takes them a really long time to get there, way longer than it should have. And they finally get there, but they they don't live there happily ever after. They end up being conquered by the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. And then after that, God begins to raise up these guys called prophets. And they were like his mouthpiece. And he began to say things like, there is a Messiah, a rescuer who is going to come for you. And then God does this thing. I don't know how I feel about it, but he did it. and It doesn't really matter how I feel about it. But he went silent for over 400 years, 400 years. God just goes silent. I don't know about you. If you ever have that, like, Silent treatment that goes on in your house. Like, I don't know if that's ever happened, you know? Uh, I think it used to have. We don't do that game anymore. It, it was not a good game. It was not a fun game. But 400 years, that's a long time to be committed to that. And so this story that we find where Jesus is being baptized is over 400 years from when God last spoke. And so now it's not the Babylonians, but it's Rome Uh, the Jewish folks are like in their land, but it's occupied by Rome. They don't have freedom. They're not making their own decisions and they, are pretty much hating life. And that's, that's the situation that John is out there in the desert and he's saying, Hey, God's doing a new thing. You need to be ready for it. You need to be ready for it. And so all these people have been waiting their families and generations for 400 years for God to send the rescuer. And they're thinking maybe it's John, you know? And he says, no, it's not me. It's, it's, an, it's another person. And so he was basically Jesus's wingman, all right? So that's the context of this. So people, of course, they're taking off work and they're going out there by the river to see what's going on because if there's a chance that this is true, they want in on it, all right? Are you tracking with me there? This is the context that this story is told in, all right? Now, I'm not gonna go too deep into this, but I'm gonna ask another kind of random question. This is going to let me know if you're a nerd or not, all right? Raise your hand if you know what a digital Easter egg is. A digital Easter egg. All right. We got about seven or eight nerds, right? Uh, if you think it has anything to do with Easter or anything to do with an egg, it doesn't, all right? It has nothing to do with either of those things. Basically, it's a digital thing, and it's... A, it's An obscure like feature or message that's buried in some kind of a media product and so there could be like a secret part of a a website and there's a game in there or in video games another thing that I don't do because I'd rather be outside but I've heard rumors that there are these Easter eggs like in video games these secret things that that you can access well there's some, they're not, they're not Easter eggs because they're not digital, but there are some very similar things that, that go on in scripture just below the surface. We don't call them Easter eggs. We call them design patterns. And basically what these are is when there's stuff going on in a story like this story right here, that there's all kinds of symbolism for, for people that know the story well and the story of their people well. And it just like, it's like fireworks going off. They're like, ooh, this is telling me something, this is telling me something, just like watching a movie, all right? So, so in that passage, um, I'm just gonna highlight a couple of these. I, I totally want to nerd out on this, but I'm not going to. But if you go all the way back to Genesis 1, it says that basically there was ruach that was hovering over the face of the waters. I mean, this is Genesis 1, verse 2. And that word ruach is a Hebrew word that means wind or spirit, or voice, all right? And so the people who were reading this in the early church or the people who were there experiencing this that day, they're, they're, the sky splits open and the voice of God comes out and speaks over the water. So those people, oh man, it's going on. They're like, this is new creation. This is creation. This is, this is connected to the creation story. You go back and the story of Noah's Ark and God preserves a remnant of people who uh, he's gonna start over with. And the, the waters recede. Uh, he sends out a raven. Uh, the raven just flaps around a little bit. And then he sends out another kind of bird. Anybody remember what kind of bird Noah sent out? A dove. A dove. You know what happened at the end of this story? A dove descended, <laughs> right? And so again, these these original hearers <laughs> of this story are going, oh, wow, wow, this, is, this, is some, this, this has to do with like God rescuing people. This, this is how they would read that, all right? And then water, it has a lot of symbolism to God's people. There were two big stories in the Old Testament where God provided rescue uh, as, as people made their way through water. That Exodus story that I was telling you about, if you grew up going to vacation Bible school, they'd tell you this story. Uh, they, they were running for their life and they hit the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army was coming after them. And then what happened? They crossed through the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's army was swallowed up in it. So they're like, this is rescue. This is Messiah talk. This is rescue. (laughs) Because here we have Jesus in the river. There's one more that's connected to this. After Moses died, Joshua takes over and he's leading his people into the promised land. And they come to a place where a river is in flood stage. Uh, it is the Jordan River, which is the river that is in this story, and uh, the priests get in the river, uh, they hold the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God is, and the whole nation is able to cross through on dry ground, so they pass through, okay? So all of these things are like what we would call these like kind of digital Easter eggs for us, like these, these things, anybody has access to them, but you just have to know that they exist. And so all of this stuff is happening in this story. And, and these people are saying, oh, I think this is it. I think the 400-year wait is over. I think this guy may be the Messiah. All right, are you still tracking with me? You're like, yeah, this better get good. I like the Spider-Man part better than I like this part. So all of these connections are screaming at the folks at the river that, that there really could be something special about this Jesus that he could be the rescuer, the Messiah, the one that's going to be freedom, the one that they've waited for, for 400 years. And, and so this is the moment where Jesus becomes known, where he is revealed for all that he is. He's not just a carpenter. He's not just Mary and Joseph's kid. He's much, much more than that. Here's the thing. Digging into all of this, finding deeper symbolism, It still didn't answer my question of why Jesus steps into those water to be baptized. I had a conversation with a friend the other day. I was like, yeah, I have this. I don't really know how it's gonna land. It doesn't really have that like, you know, punch or whatever. And then um, a few days later, I was driving home from what was my seventh soccer game that I watched this week, right? Uh, Both my kids play high school soccer. um, So I work a job and then I have a part-time job going to God knows where in North Florida watching soccer games for hours and hours. And so my kids each had three games so that was six games that we attended this week and then we had a night off and we had a friend that we we couldn't watch their kid play because our kids are playing all the time so we thought you know what why not make it extra you know so we went and watched another game so seven games so i was on my way home from fort white and i was looking for deer making sure i didn't hit a deer on the way home but i I had this moment and, and I don't want to say that God spoke to me because I think that that lingo has been used a lot and abused a lot, but I I was driving home and I had this moment where I was still thinking about this passage. I was like, why was Jesus in the water? Why was Jesus in the water? And I just had this, this overwhelming sense that Jesus is in the water because that's where Jesus chooses to be. He is in the muddy mess of the water with the messed up people who knew that their, their life was off track and they, they needed this, this baptism of repentance for their forgiveness of sins. Like Jesus didn't have to be there for that, but he was there in the middle of the mess because he chose to be there. And in that moment, I thought, this makes, this makes sense It makes sense because this is the kind of rescuer that Jesus is. It's almost like he's tipping his hand to us at the beginning of his ministry and saying, like, I don't know what your expectation is of me, but I'm probably not going to fulfill it, all right? Because I'm not going to hang out with the right people. I'm not going to hang out in the right places. And then it just hit me. I began to think of the stories of Jesus. And I thought, who is it that he hung out with? like he hung out with the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the blind, the lame, the lepers, the Samaritan woman, the Roman centurion. He he hung out with all the wrong people all the time. Because that's who Jesus is. And that's who Jesus is because that's who he chooses to be. He chooses to hang out in the mess. I thought, yeah, it's exactly right. And nothing has changed over the last 2,000 years. We continue to find peace that, that Jesus is with us in the middle of the mess of life. And I just thought back over these last two years, like where has Jesus been? He hasn't been far off. Has he solved all of the problems? No, but I, I've watched friends who have, who have lost jobs and Jesus was in the middle of that. I've watched people lose income and Jesus was in the middle of that. I've watched relationships fall apart. Jesus was in the middle of that. I've watched people who had uh, relatives who passed away of, of COVID and all kinds of different things. And where was Jesus? He was in the middle of that. And so it was really interesting. On my drive home from Fort White, Florida, it was as if God was speaking to me. Oh, Levi, you've been at this so long. When will you learn to expect the unexpected when it comes to me? I am always with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so this this baptism doesn't have anything to do with Jesus needing forgiveness of sins. It's about him revealing to us that he is that Messiah. He is that rescuer. He is the one who will be close to us in the mess of life. When it comes to Jesus, we can expect the unexpected. I'm going to pray. I I was texting with Kevin yesterday and I said, hey man, um, what's the closing song for tomorrow? And He said, oh, it's called God With Us. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes sense. Maybe we could have planned that, but we didn't, right? (laughs) And it's God with us. And this is truth. I'm going to pray as they're, they're coming up. God I thank you so much that it took me a long time to figure it out, but yeah, you are our rescue. You are our Savior. You are Emmanuel. You are God with us. And you are with us because you choose to be with us. You, you could have stayed where you were, you didn't have to endure all that you endured here on earth, but you did. And we're grateful. And we're grateful that you don't bail on us in the difficult times, that that you are with us, and we can count on it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, just a few announcements. Normally next week would be a house church week for us. The, the way that we work is we do this like once a month and then we have a worship at home once a month and then twice we gather together in uh, in home. So if you're interested in joining a house church, uh, come up and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to help you get plugged in uh, to one of those. But because of Martin Luther King weekend, next weekend, it's like a four day weekend. If you don't know that, parents, you need to know your kids don't have school Friday or the following Monday, so plan accordingly. Um, uh, we'll be having an online program, uh, but we're going to meet back up with uh, the house churches on the weekend of the 23rd. Um also, we partner with a, a organization in town, Family Promise, that help people who are uh, transitioning from homelessness into permanent uh, housing. And so uh, we partner with a few other smaller churches to provide meals for a whole week. Um, and so that's happening um, the week of January 17th. And so uh, that digital connect card, there's information there that you can help. Follow us on Facebook because we'll be putting stuff out uh, there as well. And then um, on the, the morning of Sunday, January the 30th, uh, we're going to be helping Helping our friends at Shift Church, they're moving out of their theater space and into uh, a more permanent thing. Pastor Joe, thank you for being here tonight, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna help them get all their stuff moved out of there and into their new place. And we'll have more information about that online uh, as well. So we just want to say, uh, enjoy uh, being here tonight. Like I understand if you have to rush out, you have to get kids to bed or whatever. But if you don't, hang out, buy a drink. Um, it's it's good to be together. Uh, we have. Shirts and, uh, and koozies, right? Because if you eat in a brewery, you need to have, give away some koozies. So um, there's some folks that can help you with that out there uh, on the bar. And uh, the shirts are free. The koozies are free. Um, just don't, like, use it as a rag. Like, wear it. That would be super cool if you would do that. And, um, and so I think that's it. Um, we are so thankful, uh, that, that you are here and we're going to do this again on February 6th. And so we would love for you to just save the date and plan on being with us, uh, here again. So may you, may you go in the grace and the peace of God. May you know that Jesus is with you because he chooses to be there. Go in his grace and in his peace. Amen.